You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? We are back here for a Monday edition of Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, October 18th, 2021. MLB postseason in full swing. We kind of did a a reminiscent uh, show on Friday, looking back at at some cool moments, some cool teams. Um, And there's still no news, really, to report on on the Tigers' front because uh, can't do anything during the postseason. Offseason doesn't start until... After the uh, the playoffs end, obviously. So, and we're not in any of the coaching mix because we have a fantastic coaching staff. So we don't have to really worry about anything until after the World Series. Fantastic postseason so far. I'm recording this right after the Braves just walked off the Dodgers. So, uh, fantastic series. The, the Red Sox versus the Astros is fantastic. The Astros... Uh, I, I, this is not me exaggerating at all, or, or recency bias or anything. No, like objectively, this Astros team—that is one of the best offenses in the history of baseball. And if if you're not like hip to that, or or you don't like you weren't aware of that, just just look at their lineup. Just like pull up whatever you use to look at your stats, and just look at. Look at that Astros lineup, man. It is something else. Ridiculous lineup. So fantastic series there. Fantastic all around. I love playoff baseball, man. So uh, on this show, kind of a cool little thing we're going to do. I love ranking stuff. I love it. Um, it's it's uh, one of my, my favorite pastimes is ranking things. Um, and in sports, we often rank pretty much anything we can. Sometimes it gets a little extreme, okay? Sometimes it gets a little extreme, but just for fun, this episode, we are going to be ranking the, uh, the five playoff teams since 2000. Uh, we are going to be ranking them, uh, in order of how good they were, in my opinion, which means very little to, uh, to a lot of people, <laughs> But I have a platform, so unfortunately for you, the listener, you have to just listen to my subjective opinion for half an hour. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to rank the, the five playoff teams. That will be 2006, and then 11, 12, 13, 14. We're going to rank those five playoff teams in order of uh, of how good I think they are. And then if it gets you riled up and it gets you upset and and you're uh, mad and whatever, this dude's an idiot. You're correct. I am. And the good thing is my entire, uh, my, my entire platform really relies heavily on social media. So you can call me an idiot all you want. And there's really nothing I can do about it because that's the beauty of beauty is a, is a loose term of Twitter. So, Let's get right into it. Super fun episode, man. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about this. So, coming in at number five, we have the 2011 Detroit 
Tigers. Now, the interesting thing about having the 2011 Tigers be number five is that they are actually, if you're just going on a regular season record, tied for uh, the most wins out of any of these teams. Most wins of, of any team since 2000. The 2006 Tigers, uh, the only other team that also won 95 games, which is really odd when you consider the, the massive success we had from 2011 to 2014, those four straight division titles. Uh, the 2012 team that made the World Series only won 88 games. The 2013 team won 93, and the 2014 team won 90. So this this 95 win 2011 team, which has again tied for the most wins of the five playoff teams of the last 20 years, um, actually had yeah t- tied for the most wins in the regular season. So that's just a super interesting thing to me um, that uh, that. Of all teams, 2011, I feel like this team gets forgotten about. And I also want to preface this by saying the only one that I'm really, really strongly opinionated in is that is the number one team in, in this ranking. That's really the only one. The team that I have coming in at one is really the only one that I'm strongly like, this is hands down the best playoff team of these five teams, The one of the best Tigers teams ever. Uh, you will not change my mind on it. But the other four are honestly pretty interchangeable. And you'll see that pretty early on here um, based on w- what what these rankings end up being. But so, so the 2011 team, why does it come in ranked at five? Well, for starters, the pitching was pretty darn lackluster in uh, for the 2011 team. That really was the, the thorn in their side. There was... Not that a lot of they had some names, and not that a lot of these names wouldn't end up being very productive for us. But this team had no bullpen, and a lot of the pitchers that would end up being such key pieces for the Tigers were just too young, and uh, and weren't quite at the peak that they would eventually reach. Okay, so Justin Verlander had an unreal year. This is this is like peak. Prime, ridiculous Justin Verlander. Uh, this is the year that Justin Verlander won the MVP. Right? So not only did he win uh, Cy Young, but this is Justin Verlander's MVP season. Absolutely ridiculous. Almost put up a nine-war season, depending on what sites you, you like to get your war from. Ridiculous. Okay? So Verlander certainly was there. Then immediately... The second best pitcher on this team was probably Doug Fister, who only pitched 70 innings for us. Jose Valverde pitched more innings than Doug Fister did. Okay, Doug Fister had uh, had had 10 starts for this team, and honestly, he he if you look at WAR for one, he, he had the second most pitching WAR on the team in 2011, and he only made 10 starts. That gives you kind of an indication of the type of pitching that this team had. Now, we'll, we'll get into the offense in a sec. This is also the Valverde year. So Jose Valverde, as a closer, had a two-war season. And for those who follow war closely and are fans of it, uh, a, a two-war season for a reliever is unreal. 
That is absolutely ridiculous. This is a dude that's pitching one inning at a time, uh, two innings at most, for the entire year. So for him to rack up anything more than like one and a half war, once you get into those, that two range, you're talking about a ridiculous season. This is obviously his perfect year uh, for safe percentage. Just uh, an unbelievable season from Valverde. And then that's like kind of it. The pitching really, like I said, the pitching really, really did fall off a cliff. Max Scherzer, while he did pitch 200 innings, like full season, did not, he, he wasn't Max Scherzer yet. Did not have uh, that incredible of a year for us. Not not horrible by any stretch, but like a four, almost a 4-5 ERA, a 4-4-3 ERA. Uh, gave up 100 runs, uh, 4-1-4 FIP. So not too much different, only a little bit lower than the ERA for those who, who like those advanced analytics like that. His ERA plus was 93. ERA plus is not an advanced stat. It's not a scary stat. All ERA plus is is it's uh, it puts ERA his four four three ERA that everybody uses it puts that into a one hundred scale. Uh, it's not out of a hundred. A scale in which one hundred is average. So if you have a one hundred ERA plus, that means your ERA is exactly league average for that season. His was ninety three. So our our number two starter had a sub one hundred. ERA plus and no starter outside of Verlander had a uh, over 100 ERA plus. Obviously, that's not including Doug Fister. Obviously, like I said, he would come in uh, and start 10 games for us. Uh, but that I'm only counting the people that started, like the everyday starters for the whole season. So that would be Verlander, Scherzer, 22 year old Rick Porcello, and 33 year old Brad Penny. Who had a 5.30 ERA? Rick Porcello had a 4.75. Really, just not not the starting pitching that would be so dominant for so long just wasn't there yet for this team. That all being said, this might be the best position player group of all of the next four. Like Sands, the uh, the the number one team on this list. This might be the best position player core. I don't want to say offense because a lot of their this team actually had some pretty uh, decent defenders on it, but just this this lineup this uh, this position player core might honestly be the best of the teams ranked five through two. Uh, absolutely ridiculous years from some people. Alex Avila, good defender and had a 900 OPS. Ridiculous season, 73 walks at 24 years old. Just a, a fantastic year of Alex Avila. Easily the best year of his, his career. Uh, Miguel Cabrera in his prime, over 1,000 OPS. This, is a, this was Johnny Peralta's year. For those who remember the Johnny Peralta uh, explo- explosion, uh, this, this was one of his best years of his entire career, a 122 OPS plus. OPS plus, again, the, uh, the same thing as ERA plus, just takes your OPS and uh, 100 is league average. So uh, his 824 OPS was a 122 OPS plus, so 22% higher than league average. Uh, Brennan Bosch, this was the Brennan Bosch year, right? He had a fantastic, an 800 OPS as the everyday left fielder for the Detroit Tigers. 100, 116 OPS plus, a well above league average hitter, well above league average hitter. 
16% higher. Uh, Austin Jackson, while he didn't, he he was never a, a super fantastic hitter. Only had a 690 OPS this year. This was the first year that Austin Jackson just to the moon skyrocketed defensively and became instantly one of like the people don't really give him credit or realize that Austin Jackson was an elite defender, an elite defender. And this was the first year that he really broke out and did that. Uh, we had the last year of Maglio, who who wasn't that great, but I guess was serviceable. And then another Victor Martinez year at DH, 850 OPS, a 131 OPS plus. Fantastic. So, and, and then the bench for this team was even great. Ryan Rayburn, as much as uh, those who know me know that I'm, I'm not a huge Rayburn fan by any stretch, uh, had almost an, uh, an 100 OPS, OPS plus rather, geez, um, and, uh, and, and was a utility man that played just about every position. Don Kelly. Everybody loves Donnie Kelly, baby. Um, Andy Dirks had his little hot streak there at the beginning of the year this, year, this season. Uh, and then the acquisitions of Delman Young. Down the stretch, Delman Young had an over 100 OPS plus. Wilson Bettamy, people forget, at 40 years old, had an 870 OPS in 40 games down the stretch. Casper Wells. Had an OPS plus of 108, 8% higher than league average OPS plus for Casper Wells, who played 65 games in corner outfield. Um, I, I mean, there were a lot of people that this was a really, really good year for the position players of this team. Uh, it's just the pitching just wasn't quite ready yet. And they, they still took the uh, the Rangers, who were a powerhouse at the time, made back-to-back World Series there, uh, even though they lost both of them. Uh, beat, beat a really good Yankees team in the DS and then took uh, the Rangers to, to six. So even though this team is five, I, I mean, you re- like I said, you really could argue any of these teams from, uh, from five to two, I am perfectly okay with interchanging. I mean, if you wanted to come on and, and get on your soapbox and say that the 2011 Tigers were, were the second best team of these five, I, I don't think that that's too terribly far-fetched. I would disagree with you. Obviously, I have them at five, but it, it's not as ridiculous as it seems just because of how good this position player crew was. All right, let's get into uh, number four on this list. But first, got to talk to everybody about DirecTV Streams. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all their entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream. It brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter, the confusion, Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. It's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies based on package. All right, everybody. We are back here for segment two of Locked on Tigers. This is probably going to be a long episode considering we're only one team in and we're at the 15-minute mark of my recording already. So uh, if uh, this is definitely going to go over 30. I, I will try very hard to not make it go into like the, you know, 45 minute range or anything like that but it'll there's no way i I finish this before the 30 minute mark so uh thank you guys for putting up with me and thanks for making locked on tigers your first listen every day we are free and available on all platforms 
All right, let's get into the next team. This one's going to surprise some people, I would imagine. But my number four team, number four playoff team, I should say, of the 21st century for the Detroit Tigers is the 2012 Tigers. The team that, the only team, well, that's not true. 2006 made the made the World Series too. Of the five teams, two made the World Series, and uh, and and one of them is going to come in at four for me. Now, the pitching this year was very, took a massive step forward from 2011, largely in part to big steps up, step ups from Rick Porcello, another year of experience, took a big step forward. Max Scherzer, obviously a huge step forward from 2011 to 2012. And Verlander still being Verlander. Doug Fister still putting in a great year. And honestly, the, the as much heat as everybody gives these teams uh, of this era for not having a bullpen, the 2011 bullpen was, or 2012 rather, the 2012 bullpen was low-key actually really solid in the regular season. Uh, it crumbled in the playoffs, and they didn't even, it, it was, I don't even know how to explain it. Well, I do. So in 20, this bullpen was, all the almost the entire bullpen was solid, but there wasn't that one shutdown this is the guy I want to go to in this situation. I know for a fact that he's going to get out of it and we're going to be chilling, right? There wasn't that like like Zach Britton with the Orioles, like a role this Chapman with the Yankees. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't that like hands down just like stud. It was just an entire bullpen of really solid seasons. So this pitching staff, again, was phenomenal. Verlander had another Verlander year. Um, an, another over eight war season. Max Scherzer took a big step forward. He he would still reach even higher heights later, obviously, but this was a, a massive step forward for him compared to uh, compared to his 2011. Scherzer had a 3.74 ERA, almost lowered the ERA by a full point. A 3.27 FIP. So so for those who who like those advanced analytics like that. FIP, half a point lower than the ERA. The whip was 1-2. That's solid. Verlander's whip was barely over 1 this year, man. Dude was ridiculous. Rick Porcello, again, while he still was not uh, fantastic by any stretch, took a big step forward. 4-6 ERA, but a 3-9-1 FIP. A 1-5 whip, though, which is also not good. Rick Porcello, at this time in his career, was very much a pitch-to-weak contact and not a strikeout pitcher. And 31 starts, he barely reached the 100 strikeout mark. Ended with 107. So, uh, gave up 226 hits. That's quite a lot of hits there. Uh, So, that was just the current stage that he was at. But, um, also, didn't give up a a very significant amount of homers. 16 is not fantastic by any stretch, but it's less than Verlander that year. So, and Verlander obviously had a fantastic year. Doug Fister, a sub-3-5 ERA for Doug Fister. Absolutely beautiful. And then 23-year-old Drew Smiley. 18 starts, sub-4 ERA. Beautiful. Anibal Sanchez, 12 starts this year. 3-7-4 ERA. A 3-6-8 FIP for Anibal Sanchez um, at, at only 28 years old. This is, this is uh, well, 20. 13 was was really really good Anibal but or 2014 whatever regardless really really solid year from anybody who who started basically 
the, the, the ERAs for this starting rotation were 265, 374, 46, 345, 399, and then 374. Six guys starting games for you, only one with an ERA over four. That's going to get the job done a lot. And a really solid, again, a really solid regular season bullpen. ERA plus for the bullpen, 113, 116, 120, 162. 162 ERA plus for Brian Valeriel, which is not a sample size merchant thing. He appeared in 50 games. And a 107 ERA plus for Phil Coke. Dwayne Belo, 110 ERA out of the pen. Luis Marte had a 2-8-2 ERA in 13 games. Darren Downs, a 124 ERA plus. I mean, that's only 18 games. A 3-4-8 ERA in 18 games. I mean, this, this bullpen actually was really solid in the regular season. It was just... Um, in the playoffs, it struggled a little bit. So this pitching staff was actually really good. The reason that this team comes in at four, even though they made the World Series, is the offense was really, while it was still had its bright spots, we still had Prince Fielder and Miguel Cabrera. Uh, so uh, like, I'm not trying to make it again. This is this is the fourth best team of like my lifetime. So none of these teams are bad. I'm, I'm, but compared. To the three teams ahead of it, this offense and the team behind it, honestly, compared to really all five of these teams, this offense might really low-key be one of the worst position player groups that we had uh, of these all these playoff teams. It was just pitching prevails in the postseason, and uh, and and obviously the the offense stepped up in a big way in the New York series, but. People forget this team almost lost to the Athletics. This this went five, and we needed a, a heroic outing from Justin Verlander to uh, to win the uh, the Oakland Athletics series as it was. And then yeah, the the Yankees series is just not even. I mean, we just that was a sweep of epic proportions. We obliterated them, uh, and and then yeah, got our doors blown off in uh, in the World Series, and everybody forgot how to hit. And Pablo Sandoval turned into Babe Ruth. But uh, so, like, Alex Avila has a solid year 736 OPS. That's a 99 OPS plus, and he provided solid defense. Sure, Prince Fielder, fantastic season. Miguel Cabrera, fantastic season. Okay. After that, you have Austin Jackson, who also one of the best years of his entire career. Okay. A 129 OPS plus with Austin Jackson defense. Beautiful. Brennan Bosch got the nod again this year. Significantly worse. A 659 OPS. An absolute nosedive. Johnny Peralta plummeted for as good of a 2011 as he had. And and as good as he was in that season, a putrid uh, season in 2012. An 84 OPS plus 16% worse than he did not have an OPS of even 690. 305 on base percentage, 384 slugging. Really rough year for Johnny Peralta. Maybe that's why he uh, decided to to stick a needle in his leg. Um, just not a not a good year. What's 150 games, 13 homers. Not great. Um, and Johnny Peralta was certainly not out there flashing the letter with, well, either with any elite defense by any stretch. 
This team also just didn't have a second baseman. That's kind of a problem. They had this like rotating door of Omar Infante, who was bad, a 78 OPS plus, over 20% worse than league average, uh, and not very fantastic defense by any stretch. Ramon Santiago, who had a 555 OPS in 93 games. He had two homers this year. I think one of them was a walk-off. Um, Ryan Rayburn. Got some work there. Don Kelly obviously got work everywhere. Danny Worth got a lot of games at second. A 586 OPS. Like this team just straight up didn't have a second baseman. Uh, and and whoever was at second was not good uh, really ever. So that was a huge problem. Uh, the corner outfield positions as a whole were, were not great. We already talked about Brennan Bosch. Delman Young was the other one. And for as great as Delman Young turned out to be in the postseason, in the regular season, he had an OPS of barely over 700. Andy Dirks. This was the Andy Dirks year. In 88 games, had an 857 OPS. This was the Danny Dirks, Aunt Danny, the Andy Dirks year. So he came in, but he played less than 90 games, got some decent work in, and, and did not hit nearly as well in the postseason either, especially... Uh, not, I mean, nobody really hit well in the world series, but, uh, the point still remains. So while this was a, a, and then the bench was, was putrid for this team, the, the, the people coming off the bench, there was no bench. There was no depth for this team. Uh, the injuries and nebs and flow of the season that, that everybody had to deal with, uh, this team could not handle, uh, Quinton Berry. This was the Quinton Berry year. He, you know, fantastic May and, and obviously the stolen base thing. Great to have off your bench to have speed, but couldn't hit. Ramon Santiago, we already covered. Ryan Rayburn had a 480 OPS this year. So there you go. Uh, Gerald Laird was one of the best bats off the bench. That should not happen. He might have been the best bat off the bench. That's sad. That's actually sad. Uh, so so this team lacked the the position if this team if you took the 2011 offense position player numbers okay I know a lot of those players remained but season to season numbers are obviously vastly different if you take the 2011 position player results and the 2012 pitching results you create a juggernaut that I don't think anyone would have ever beat okay so coming in at four we have the 2012 Detroit Tigers. Let's break into the top three. Coming in at number three is the one and the only 2014 Detroit Tigers. This team is the team that gets a lot of the uh, of, of the butt of the memes and stuff that, that come out of that era about having uh, possibly soon to be five Cy Young winners all on one team. And not being able to not only get past the ALDS, not even win a playoff game with uh, five, if assuming Robbie Ray wins the Cy Young, which I think he will, five Cy Young pitchers on the roster, zero playoff game wins. Uh, so what made this team so great and why is it not in the top two? We'll start with, well, I guess the, both questions will probably be answered within themselves. 
the offense this year really gets slept on. Uh, the pitching is obviously, we'll get to the pitching. That's what made this team this team. But the, the offense really gets slept on a lot. Victor Martinez had an unbelievable 2014. How quickly we forget that that 2014 Victor Reyes. Victor Reyes, geez. I am so mad at myself right now. Holy cow, I cannot believe I actually just said that. Good gravy. Okay, Victor Martinez. Sorry, V-Mart. We'll never insult you like that ever again. Was a better player than Miguel Cabrera this season. He was better. V-Mart was literally better than Miggy this season. Like, and it wasn't like, oh, like, it's debatable. I don't know, man. Like, no. He was comfortably the best player on this team. He had 70 walks and 42 strikeouts in a full season. 151 games. 335 average, 409 on base percentage, 565 slugging. That's a 974 OPS, a 172 OPS plus, 72% higher than league average. And he got runner up for MVP. Had almost double the amount of walks that he did strikeouts on the year. And until like August, had more home runs on the year than he did strikeouts on the season. 33, 32 homers is what he would end with, and 42 Ks. V-Mart was on another stratosphere in 2014. Okay, Torrey Hunter. The acquisition of Torrey Hunter uh, was in full effect this season, even though it was one of his last seasons. Was a well above league average hitter, as well as uh, once he got moved over to right field, was never the elite gold glove defender that he was in Minnesota by any stretch, but once we moved him over to right, uh, was was at least serviceable there. Austin Jackson, great. And I know he got traded midseason, and, uh, and that kind of threw a wrench in a lot. But uh, Austin Jackson was a, was a 106 OPS plus with elite defense. Absolutely fantastic. Rajai Davis. Had a really good year this year, a really respectable year. Had to come in and play center field after Austin Jackson was traded uh, and, and get a lot more playing time. Really respectable season. Had more war this year than Austin Jackson. So uh, really solid year from him. Alex Avila played good defense. That's about the extent of, of his season. Andrew, a lot of walks. This was also the one of the big J.D. Martinez coming out party uh, seasons. Maybe V. Maybe it's it's safe to say V. He had a 9-12 OPS. Uh, did not play very good defense, as anybody who watched the 2014 ALDS knows. But this was his coming out party. Absolutely fantastic. The downfall of this team came with the bullpen, which we'll get to in a sec, and the infield. Okay, We did not have a shortstop. This team, does that sound familiar? This team did not have a shortstop. Austin Romine led this, led this game, led this team in games played at shortstop, and he had a 554 OPS. Eugenio Suarez was, was definitely not leading the league in homers like he would do after we got rid of him. Uh, 652 OPS. Danny Worth was getting work at shortstop. He was horrid this season. 408 OPS. There you go. 
I mean, we brought back Alex Gonzalez, who at 37 years old, that, that's like one of the memes on Tigers Twitter still. He played nine games and was terrible. This team just straight up didn't have a shortstop. And uh, it, it was definitely one of the biggest downfalls of this team. Also, Nick Castellanos was not Nick Castellanos yet. He had a 700 OPS. That's not great. It's it's pretty comfortably below league average. It's not horrid, but it's, it's certainly not good. And when you're playing Nick Castellanos' defense at a premier position like third base, it's not going to go over too terribly well. Ian Kinsler, for as good as he was uh, in a Tigers uniform, absolutely fantastic uh, the the offense it was above league average it was it was solid above league average with really good defense the uh, I it's just he shouldn't have been batting leadoff like I, I never agreed with that I still don't agree that he was like should have been the leadoff hitter but that's a that's a strategy thing not a not a Ian Kinsler thing so uh, Kinsler has that the, the really the biggest downfalls uh, were shortstop third base. And uh, after trading Austin Jackson, you took a big hit defensively in center field. Still a, an, an unreal team, as you can tell. I mean, it's it's ranked third. And, and just when, when your only downfalls of the entire thing are, are one, well, two, I guess, positions and then some bullpen arms, you're looking at a pretty good team. Pitching-wise, this team... It's also important to remember that for as good as all five of these, you know, oh, five future, five Cy Young Award winners in one rotation, not all of those dudes were those dudes yet, right? So Max Scherzer was a dog this year, almost had a six-war season, okay? Fantastic. This is this is one of the big coming out part. Well, he had already had his coming out party, I should, I guess, but... Uh, solidified the belief that that he was good. It wasn't a flash in the pan thing. Rick Porcello had a decent year, a really big step. Uh, would, would obviously go on to have uh, the he he didn't deserve the Cy Young he won. So like I hate even calling him a Cy Young winner, but like whatever. Um, but like a, a solid year from Rick Porcello. Anibal Sanchez had a really solid year, right? Al Albuquerque was like the dog out of the pen. This was a fantastic, almost a two-war season from Al Albuquerque in 57 innings. Unbelievable. David Price pitched amazing down the stretch and in the postseason, solid. Drew Smiley, solid. Uh, Justin Verlander, this was the one of the big downfalls of this team, and I think that this team uh, is viewed at a viewed at maybe higher on my list. If, if we have a prime Verlander year, uh, that that might change a lot of the 2014 season. But Justin Verlander, this was one of the worst years of his entire career. He was barely a one-war player. Uh, not not good. Not very good, especially to Justin Verlander's standards. Certainly not good. And we got to over 200 innings out of him. So uh, that was that was certainly something that that hurt this team a lot. And then, yeah, man, then you just get into the bullpen. You, you get Jabba Chamberlain, who, who had to pitch the eighth inning, eighth inning for some reason, and, and Phil Koch took a huge step back, and then that was kind of it. Anybody else who was in the bullpen was just up and down, and I don't know. For, for, as, as, for this pitching staff, 
being as ridiculed as it is. Like, Robbie Ray was horrible and 22 years old. Robbie Ray was terrible. He was the worst pitcher on this team. And he only pitched, like, like 30 innings. And he, he had the lowest war on the entire team for pitchers. Like, actually, hitters too. He literally had the lowest war on the entire team. Like, to say that, that you know, Rick Porcello, like, even Scherzer, like, like for as, as good as, like, a 5.8 war season, like, he would have much better. You know what I mean? Verlander was not himself this season. David Price, we got half a year out of. And, uh, and, and even the, we, what, how many starts did he have? 11 starts for us, you know? So, so like David Price, we got 11 starts of good David Price. Anibal Sanchez, not included in that, but did win an ERA title at some point. Not this season. Rick Porcello, certainly not the, the Boston Heights that he would end up reaching. And like we said, I already talked about Max Scherzer. Like for, for as ridiculed as this team is, for its, you know, look how many, look how much talent you have, and you didn't pull it off. Not all, none, none of the five guys in the, that ended up being Cy Youngs, or even throw Anibal in there, had like the best years of their career this year. Not a single one. So that's why this team comes in at three. And for as much as it's like the meme of the fan base that like, oh, this is like the team. It is. Uh, it is certainly not better. Than, uh, than the number one team on this list. And like I said, two through five are, are pretty interchangeable in my eyes. All right, let's get into, uh, this is going to be, well, I'm going to be cutting it close to make my uh, 40, this isn't going to be a 45-minute episode, promise. Let's get into Built Bar. Then we'll get into our top two teams. Built Bar, nine delicious flavors, coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, Double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. My favorite flavor is the orange, as y'all know, but you should get a, a mixed box. It's fun. Mixed boxes are fun. You just grab something, see what flavor you get. They're all fantastic, and they're good for you, too. 70 to 18 grams of protein, calories from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. So order today, get whatever flavor you like, get that mixed box, go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off of your order. It's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, everybody, we are back here for our third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. Let's get right into it because uh, this is going to be such a long episode. Ep- episode, not episode. My brain is also fried. Team two will be the 2006 Detroit Tigers, the miracle season that was. Uh, that also makes number one fairly obvious. Uh, so I, I'm still not going to say it, but you know what team number one is now. Um, again, two through five, I think there's some there's some wiggle room and some debate for any of them. I, I would not mind someone having 06 at four or having the 2012 World Series team be two or anything like that. This is, this is a pretty subjective thing I'm doing, but I do not think there's any debate about number one. We'll get into that when we get into it. Why does this 2006 Tigers team rank as number two ahead of the 2012 team that had so much talent on it? You know, prime Miguel Cabrera made the World Series. 2011 team that we talked about had had great position players. Uh, and, and the 2014 team that, as we talked about, great talent and great pitching. Why 
is this 2006 team better than all those teams? Well, the 2006 team, first off, I'll start by this. This will always be my favorite team in sports history. Always. So if it's a little bit of bias in that, I'll, I'll fully go on record and say that that's a possibility. But I really don't think that it, it, it plays too much of a, of a factor in, in this. The reason that this team is where it is in mine is because they got production out of freaking everybody. Everybody they got production out of. And that's why their, their war numbers, it's actually fascinating when you look at the production from this team, nobody jumps off the page as like, a, oh my gosh, this dude put up like an MVP caliber season or this dude should have won Cy Young or anything. But everybody put up like positive and productive, solid seasons. And that's why they, they're at two for me. And that's why they were so loved by the fan base. And that that's why they're just awesome, right? There, there was no, very much like the 4 Pistons a couple of years before them. And that whole Pistons era team, just the, it, it was all about the team. And I'm not going to say, that, like Carlos Guillen had a ridiculously good year this year. I'm not trying to slander anybody. I, I, I don't want it to come across as that. But this team really found production out of every single person that played meaningful games for them. And it was awesome. So, Pudge Rodriguez, uh, well, first off, this offense in general, only one person in the entire starting lineup that had an OPS plus of less than 98, 97, sorry. So everybody with just about league average or above hitting, except for Placido Polanco, who only had 80. Now, the thing with Polanco that makes that 80 a lot more tolerable is the fact that he had a 300 batting average, and I know I always slander batting average. Hear me out. He only struck out 27 times all season, okay? So he had a 693 OPS, right? Just under a 700 OPS. That's a lot more tolerable when you're consistently putting the ball in play, right? Similar to how people are very okay with Harold Castro, and his 290, 300 batting average with like a 690 OPS, right? It's pretty much the same thing. That on top of the fact that Placido Polanco was uh, was very solid at second base. Not, a, not an elite gold glove talent by any stretch, but very sure-handed. Never made an error. I, I That was like his thing, right? And, and really solid at second base. Uh, Placido Polanco also, it's important to know, would go on to have like much better seasons for the Detroit Tigers than he did in 2006. Was a, a fan favorite, very important part of that era of Tigers baseball. Um, but uh, I mean, a, a quick search and you'll find out his 20, his 20, his 2007 season was actually unreal. He had an 846 OPS while only hitting nine homers. Like he, he turned into a doubles machine, had a 341 batting average that year. Like he would have significantly better seasons uh, than this one. So I'm, I'm very, very okay with it. And then, yeah, everybody else, again, Carlos Guillen snapped this season. Okay. Carlos Guillen had a six war season, 
Very solid enough defense, but had a 920 OPS. Unreal. People forget that that prime Carlos Guillen, when he wasn't hurt, which was few and far between, but was not 2006, he, he was unreal. You have Chris Shelton, who had the, the April of Gods, right? So you had, you had him, then they acquired Sean Casey, who was not fantastic by any stretch, um, but provided them with, with at least more options. Dimitri Young, uh, the, the tail end of the Dimitri Young era, not fantastic. First base was a problem for this team. It really was. Uh, those three names were the revolving door. And Chris Shelton, even though he ended the season with an 806 OPS, that's only because the first month he was the greatest hitter of all time. Uh, his second half was was far worse. And that's why you see him only at 115 games played. Brandon Inge, fantastic year. Great defense, as we all are very aware. Uh, I mean, for as much heat as he got in the end, Brandon Inge is also my favorite athlete of all time. For as much heat, there's the 45-minute mark on my recording. Sorry, everyone. For as much heat as Brandon Inge got um, in the end of his Tigers tenure, uh, I mean, he was... was, People just, recency bias is a thing, man. Like his 2006, he, he had a 776 OPS with elite defense. He had a five-win season with a sub-100 OPS plus. It was 98. It wasn't bad. But when you're getting 27 homers and elite defense out of your third baseman, you're going to have a pretty darn good season. Um, Craig Monroe, fantastic year. Almost an exactly 100 OPS plus. Curtis Granderson. Big coming out party for Curtis. Had a really fun year. Uh, Maglio, 827 OPS. 112 OPS plus, the heart of this team. Also, his 07, runner-up for MVP, if you want a 365 average or something ignorant. Marcus Thames, an 882 OPS. Like This team was, there was no one on here that had the 950 plus OPS, but everybody had like a 770 to 900 OPS, and then that's what just made them phenomenal. And then on the pitching side, uh, you got a lot of production. You had no true dominant ace, uh, and and that is one of the reasons that uh, one of the the things that came back to bite us there in the World Series. But you had a lot of people that put up really really solid years. You had Verlander with a four win season as a rookie. You had Nate Robertson with a three and a half war season. Kenny Rogers with a, almost a three and a half war season. Uh, Jeremy Bonderman with a three win season. And then you have Joel Zamaya, who had a three point two war season out of the bullpen. That is ridiculous. I told y'all earlier that a two-win season out of the bullpen was nuts. This dude had a 3.2 win season, 83 innings out of the pen at 21 years old. Phenomenal. Jamie Walker, situational king, 48 innings pitched, a 1.3 win season. Just got every single lefty out he faced. Love Jamie Walker. Will Ledesma had a one-win season, really solid. Mike Maroth. Once we, we kind of were like, all right, Mike, like it's kind of the end of the road here. Wasn't horrible in the few games that he still got in there before hitting the road. Uh, you had Fernando Rodney. Fernando Rodney, 
solid-ish season. Not horrible by any stretch. Uh, Todd Jones, he was kind of old and at the end. But uh, again, like not a, not a horrible year. Like an above, uh, what, a half a win out of the pen in 65 innings. Like not terrible by any stretch. You just had so many people that just stepped up. Only three people that pitched for the Tigers in 2006 had negative war. And those were negative 0.1, negative 0.1, and negative 0.2. And those innings were only 15, 14, and 10 for those three players respectively. Bobby C., Jordan Tata, and Andrew Miller, rookie Andrew Miller. So everybody was an above an above replacement level player that pitched for this team. No superstar, just a bunch of really solid, really, really solid seasons all around. And that's why I have them at two. I think that this is the second most well-rounded team of all five of these. Just a really well-rounded, well-oiled machine that that obviously made it all the way to the World Series and, uh, and, and dominated the A's and the CS, dominated the Yankees even, Jeremy Bonderman, absolutely dominated the New York Yankees and his start the Jeremy Bonderman game will forever be a little eight-year-old me right behind home plate there fantastic man fantastic so that is why this team comes in at number two for me and ahead of the three teams behind it and I didn't even really explain why I, I I don't feel like I have to be like oh well why didn't it come in at one Number one is the 2013 Detroit Tigers. I think that this is one of the greatest Tigers teams ever. Um, if not, like it's it's no, I, I can't say the greatest. I can't. I, I they they didn't they didn't even make the World Series. I, I I can't do it. But strictly roster wise, this is one of the best teams to ever take the field in the city of Detroit. This is an, an unbelievable team. Uh, like I said, two through five on this list, I think are super interchangeable. I don't think the 2013 team is even remotely arguable. So we'll start with Alex Avila. Oh, Alex Avila. Uh, so <laughs> had a sub 700 OPS but still provided very, very solid defense. Uh, just, man, this team. This this was the team, man. This team makes me emotional still. This was the team. This was the team that that should have won. It really was. So you have, you have prime Miguel Cabrera putting up almost an eight-war season uh, at, at third base, nonetheless, uh, because of signing Prince Fielder. Um, then you have Austin Jackson putting together another fantastic season. Unbelievable. Uh, un- really, really solid. His defense actually wasn't as great as it was in a lot of other years for the Tigers, but he was still Austin Jackson, and he had an over 100 OPS plus this year. So more than worth it. You had Torrey Hunter, who had an 800 OPS uh, nice little two and a half win season. Omar Infante was actually not like absolutely horrifically terrible this season. Uh, 115 OPS plus out of Omar Infante, dog. Like you're not going to get anything more than that. Prince Fielder, 
820 OPS, not the you know ridiculous numbers that he had put up in 2012, but still really solid. Um, and, and people were mad at the time because he only had 25 homers. He, he still put up a really solid season, a 122 OPS plus. Johnny Peralta had a really, really solid season before he got popped for roids. He had an 815 OPS, 121 OPS plus. And then we bring in Jose Iglesias, who would uh, hit for a decent average and provide some good defense there. Um, I, I mean, just all around, man, V-Mart, a solid season. Jose Iglesias got a <laughs> had a one win season, had one win in forty six games, and had a sub seven hundred OPS. So that'll tell you the value of his defense. Andy Dirks was still pretty valuable. Uh, I, I mean this this was this was the team, man. Listen to these OPS pluses, okay? The OPS pluses of this team: eighty eight, one twenty two. 115, 121, 190, 87, 104, 115, 113. You only have two people that were below league average. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. Uh, Andy Dirks would be the the 87 OPS plus in there when there was kind of a revolving door in left field for, for this entire era, really, but uh, that definitely this season. Don Kelly got a lot more playing time than uh, he had in other years. Matt Tuiasasopo, that was this year. He had an 108 OPS plus in 81 games in left field, so there you go. Matt Tuiasasopo, on days that he did, there was literally only one person that didn't have an OPS plus of over 100 on days that he started. Unbelievable. A juggernaut of an offense. And uh, the crazy part is, is they had an absolutely uh, juggernaut offense. Uh, And it wasn't even the best part of their team because this was an unbelievable pitching staff as well. Max Scherzer, six and a half wins. Anibal Sanchez was a six-war pitcher in 2013. Six. He outwore Justin Verlander by almost two wins on 30 less innings pitched. Anibal Sanchez, ridiculous year this year. Justin Verlander, still four and a half wins. It, it, while it's not the eight that he was putting up when he won MVP, is actually really damn good still. Doug Fister had a four-win season. This is also the year Joaquin Benoit was a god out of the bullpen. Took over the closer wall and almost had a three-win season in 67 innings pitched. Drew Smiley had two and a half wins in 76 innings. Rick Porcello, a nice little two and a half win season. Started 30, 30 games. And the the bullpen, outside of Benoit, there there's the problem. Boom. That that was the downfall of this team, as everyone is very well aware, because everybody watched the 2013 ALCS. You had Joaquin Benoit, who was Jesus. He was the second coming, unless he was pitching to David Ortiz. And then, besides that, you had nobody. Brian Valeriel, 
almost a whole negative uh, one war. Octavio Dotel, negative half war. Jeremy Bonderman, I forgot we brought him back for some reason. Pitched like 15 innings of terrible baseball. Phil Koch was not that good this year. Jose Valverde was terrible. Uh, Jose Alvarez was not good. Evan Reed, you guys remember the Evan Reed experiment? He wasn't terrible, but not good by any stretch. Darren Downs, negative war. Al Albuquerque fell off a cliff and went from the dude that never gives up any extra base hits to the dude that only gives up extra base hits. Bruce Rondone was was fine, I guess, uh, like half a win. Luke Pukkonen in 30 innings was worth half a win. There you go. That was the one flaw of this team. You had one dominant reliever and nobody else to go to out of the pen. That's why they only won 93 games with this loaded roster, and that is why they lost to the Boston Red Sox in the ALCS. This was the team. This is comfortably the best team in my lifetime. This was the team that should have won the World Series. This should be the team that we all talk about as one of the best teams in Tigers history, and it didn't happen. This is an hour-long show. I told you guys I wasn't going to make it past 45 minutes, and here we are an hour later. So thank you guys for putting up with me. Uh, this was a blast, obviously. I, I was um, originally having a hard time thinking of what I even wanted to record about, and now I just came out with an hour-long show. So yippee ki um, Thank you guys for listening. Feel free to voice all your opinions, whatever. I, I love the conversation. It's, it's very fun. Um, I think we have some Spotify green room stuff coming up finally. I know I've been talking about it forever, so we'll finally get that rolling here. I think at the end of this week, uh, then Wednesday's show will also be an interview with, uh, the Detroit Tigers awarded their minor league pitcher of the year to Bo Brisky, and we will have him on the show for Wednesday's Wednesday's episode. So a week full of fun. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for putting up with me truly. And, uh, Yeah, peace and love. Going to therapy is dope, and I will catch you all tomorrow. Go Tigers, baby.